imposing grandeur, the quality or state of being impressive or awesome. The purpose of studying theology and reading books, it's it's not to gain our own intellect, but rather it is to bring us to Him. Because when you see how glorious and how holy and how majestic our Creator is, the more you worship Him. He is our imposing grandeur. everybody and welcome to Imposing Grandeur Radio. It's me, Avery. I'm here with my lovely co-host, Annie and Alexa. Hey! Hello. <laughs> Today we are talking about God as Jehovah Jireh or God the Provider. Um, so we've got a lot. This is a big episode today, so we're just going to jump right in into talking through what does that mean? What does God mean as being Jehovah Jireh? What does that name mean? How is God a provider? What do we mean when we say God provides? Well, I think we got to back it up to Genesis 22, where we see this the Hebrew name Jehovah Jireh, which means God provides. Um, well, it actually means, that's essentially what it means. Um, but in Genesis 22, where y'all can go read it for yourselves, but a summary is that God tells Abraham that he has to take his only son, Isaac, who was promised to Abraham and a gift from God to him. He has to take him up this mountain and sacrifice him to the Lord. And Abraham is obedient and does that. And Isaac's like, Dad, where where is the um, the animal that we are going to provide for the slaughter? And Abraham says, God will provide. And that is exactly what God does, that Abraham is stopped right before he is uh, sacrifices Isaac and provides a ram in the thicket just out of view. And um, so that's like where this name Jehovah Jireh comes from. But what does God provides mean? Well, God provides salvation. He provided a way through his son for us to be saved. He provides mm -hmm. Um, that's the ultimate provision. And that's why we see like this ram in Abraham, in Abraham's story, it's foreshadowing. It's a shadow of Christ. How God will provide a lamb for the ultimate sacrifice. Yeah, I love that. And so something interesting too, is that uh, the name Jehovah Jireh is from the verb to see. And so it means the Lord foresees and the Lord or the Lord will see to it. And I think connecting that meaning to what he had done through Christ and how he has, he foresaw in the very beginning from when Adam and Eve sinned, there's that proto-evangelium, you know, the first gospel announced that even from the very beginning, the Lord was preparing a path of redemption. And we see that in the New Testament with Christ coming and having, I mean, even thinking of the implications of him calling Abraham to sacrifice his son, Isaac. I mean, it's so easy to just kind of say off the roll of the tongue, like he was obedient and he did it. But thinking about what was going through his mind? I mean, God had promised that he was going to multiply the nations through his line. And for God to call him to give up this child who he has waited years for um, and struggled with the unbelief that he would even have a son because of his old age. And then for God to call him to sacrifice a son when he gets a son. Um, like there's that confliction of, well, God, you promised that you would 
give me many nations. Like, how is it that you're calling me to sacrifice the only person in my lineage that can carry on my name? But he had to have that trust in God, knowing that despite even ending like Isaac, he had to he had to believe that God would miraculously either raise him up to life or provide in some other means. But I mean, the trust that goes with that, um, it's it's so much harder <laughs> when you think about it. Um, but anyway, I just thought that that was really interesting. Like the Lord is a foreseeable God. He sees everything that we are going to come into face with um, or we're going to face and he provides accordingly for those needs. Yeah, I love that. And such a cool picture of the foreshadowing of Christ and the redeemer and the lamb to come to be that sacrifice for us is like so cool to just see that like back when you know before pre-christ someone read that story they wouldn't have been able to tie the two together and what a sweet privilege we have to be able to look back and see the picture of christ and the redemption that we have felt through the death of his son on the cross and then also to see abraham in this situation with him and isaac and then naming this place called the Lord will provide this mountain is just, it's really mind boggling to me. Right. And I think something even more mind boggling is like thinking it, think of thinking of it in, within the context of the day. I mean, back then people would go onto mountains to sacrifice to their pagan gods. And so going up to the very high place to make a sacrifice to your God was a normative. And so by God leading him to the mountain to make a sacrifice was quite common, but also God showing himself to be vastly different than all the other gods by providing a sacrifice for Abraham to make. It's not Abraham coming with his own sacrifice, but it's God providing the sacrifice, you know, like that. And we see that in such a clear picture with Christ in the new Testament. But I mean, with comparing the true God with the pagan gods, I mean, all throughout history, it's been the human trying to make sacrifices and be obedient in order to appease the wrath God, in order to appease him with his own works. But God shows himself to be vastly different and holy and set apart in this scenario specifically by saying, no, I am not like those gods. I will provide a sacrifice for you to give to me. You know, and the the foreshadowing, I mean, my nerd comes out in in like studying that and just freaking out about how, how our God is so different and so much more great. Hmm. Yes. Amen. Um, And looking at to Matthew 6 in the New Testament, the verse Matthew 6, 26, look at the birds of the air that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And so looking more into the physical provision of God, knowing that as his children, God will provide as he sees fit and we don't have to be anxious for tomorrow because of that truth. What are the implications of God's provision for us in the gospel, our lives, and in the future when taking into account that verse? So it's actually funny that you bring up that verse because I'm in a Bible study and we're going through Matthew and yesterday we were going over Matthew 7 talking about very similarly, ask, seek, knock, and it will be given to you. And um, the context that that is being said in is the, it's the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is saying, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. You say that adultery is wrong. Why well, say if you even look at somebody with lustfully, you've committed adultery. So it's like all these things. And then God says, or then Christ says, 
ask, seek, knock, and it'll be given to you. Well, he's talking about God providing us what is necessary and needful for a walk that honors him. We're not going to do all of these things on our own. He's saying, ask to do these things, ask to walk in this way that glorifies me, and it will be given to you. And so it's like, that is a huge implication for the Christian's life, that God cares for us enough to demand holiness, because be perfect as I am perfect, but he didn't leave you high and dry. He provides a way, not only through your justification, which Christ dying on the cross for you, but also your sanctification, the more and more you become like Christ. I love that, Annie. That's so cool. And um, I was reading a Desiring God article of this woman that is um, disabled. I think she like can't use her arms or something, and her she has flare-ups to where some days she can use her arms and some days she can't. And um, she's writing about Ephesians 3.20, which is... Um, that God can do abundantly more than we can ask or imagine, just paraphrasing. And she was saying that um, she was humbled and convicted in the fact that sometimes the way God provides for us is not always in ways that we would choose for ourselves. We naturally, as selfish beings, want to have riches, want to have worldly um, fame and health, and we want abundance in all walks of life. And um, she was saying, especially with her chronic illness, that some days he will do far more abundantly than all I can ask or imagine, as we see in Ephesians 3.20. And other days he will sustain me in the storm, but every day he'll provide what I need. And that was like beautiful to me because some days we do crawl through the day and we feel like we are just failing and we're exhausted and we're weary but God still provides for us, even if it's not in a way that's more abundant than what we ask or imagine. And then some days we have stories where God has provided more than we can ask or imagine. But even in both situations, God is still present and he sees us just like he sees the birds of the air. He sees the flowers of the field that he cares for them and provides for them, clothes them. And he cares so much more for us that we know that even in those situations where maybe we don't feel as cared for, he is still providing for us as he sees fit for his glory and our good. Yes. Amen. And piggybacking off of that is so important to remember that when we talk about God's provision, we're taking it a step further than material because some mm-hmm. might say like, God knows your needs. He knows you need clothing and food. Like he clothes the lilies of the field. He feeds the birds. He's going to do that. Well, then what do you say to the person that starves to death and is a Christian or has rags and no clothes? Like, we got to remember that when we talk about God's provision, it's ultimately, like Avery, you said this, ultimately for God's glory and our good. That does not necessarily mean the physical all the time. And God promises suffering. And so it's like what we need in the Christian walk might be suffering to create that perseverance of faith and um, strengthening there. So it's, it's, I think it's really important to remember that because that doesn't mean God doesn't provide physically, but when he's providing physically, it's for the kingdom, for his glory and our good. And so it goes a step further than that. Right. And his glory and our good is not two separate things, right? Like, um, as we pursue his glory, we are doing what we've been created to do and therefore are operating within the function in which we were made for and we we find true lasting joy in that true comfort in that and 
I think it all comes down to, well, what is our good? Our good is not necessarily what we would consider our good to be. I mean, if you ask the the average American today, the American dream is to, you know, like Mary, have two and a half kids, a golden retriever and a white picket fence. A lot of people would consider that their good. Our good is completely like a different standard in God's eyes. He wants us to be made into the image of Christ because he knows that that is one where we will find ultimate pleasure, ultimate joy, ultimate satisfaction. Why? Because we will be closer to him and he is the source of all of those things. And he is the sustainer of life and the the essence of joy. Um, And so it just goes back to, well, what were we created to do? And who is the essence of life? Who is the essence of joy? Who is the essence of pursuit like who should we strive to go towards we shouldn't strive to go towards material things where moth and rust destroy but we we should strive to go towards the eternality of of life of to god and all that he offers us because that is everlasting amen and it reminds me too of how much god has already gifted us like he has already provided us the gospel Mm -hmm. and a redeemer like we honestly are not owed anything not even the gospel and he has been so merciful and gracious in giving us a savior. And we should not even be asking for anything more. Like we have been given the greatest gift of all time. And um, I'm just reminded of my selfishness in the way that I feel like I'm deserving of more. And I'm like, well, I'm a follower of Christ. And I, you know, do A, B, and C. Of course I should be given this that I desire. Or of course I should, you know, be able to have this before I die. And like, that's not always the case. We they live in a fallen world and there's going to be sickness and there's going to be moth and rust that destroy like Alex was talking about. And there's going to be death that spoils and changes the reality of what we want this world to be when it's not that way. And God is still faithful in that. And he still can provide even in heartbreak and sorrow. Yeah. I mean, even studying for this podcast and doing research, it just, made me in awe of just how involved God is in our daily living and how easy it is for us to completely overlook that and just be so distracted and not pay any attention to that. I mean, we mentioned earlier, like he provides for the animals. I mean, he feeds the birds of the air and, um, I mean, I mean, he provides for the earth. We see in Psalm 65, there's this whole from like verses nine to 13, it just paints this beautiful picture of God nourishing the world. Specifically in verse nine, it says, you visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide their grain. And for so you have prepared it. And that's just like, whoa, that imagery of like, we pass through farm fields. I mean, at least I do. My commute to school is like going through all these farm fields and to just stop and think like the Lord provided that growth in that field. Um, And then he provides for all people. And I think the beauty of this is realizing and just meditating on the relational nature of our God and how he doesn't just provide for the the wealthy people, but he, he provides for all people, including the poor and the needy. And this is wonderful news for us, but he's described as a stronghold to the needy in their distress in Isaiah 25, 4. And it says that he upholds all of those who are falling in Psalm 145 verses 13 through 14, and that he raises up the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap in 1 Samuel 2, 8. And let me just tell you, you will not find another God in any religion that is described like that. Mm. Like point period blank. That, That attribute of God alone, the simple grace factor that is within his nature, like mind blowing, 
mind blowing. <laughs> like I'm studying religion right now. And the fact that our God is described as one who raises up the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. What? That is foreign. That is so foreign. That is not something that you find. And our God, just like he proved himself to be separate from all the other gods back in Genesis when he provided that sacrifice for Abraham, so does he prove himself to be set apart even today in so many different ways. And yet we neglect observing that. We neglect even meditating on that from time to time. But it is something that is so crucial for us to pay attention to. Amen. Amen. And segueing, segueing, segueing <laughs> into the next question, I just want to kind of take time. We have decided to exempt the IG hot seat today because we wanted to spend adequate time on this topic. But we just want to share a couple of stories of the ways that God has provided in our lives. We know there are many ways. There's daily things God does for us and provides for us that we will never know. And It can be Uh simple or it can be large, Um, but we just want to spend some time magnifying the Lord, glorifying him for ways that he has proven to be um, just a providential God in our lives. And so I just wanted to ask you guys, is there anything off the top of your head that comes to mind when you think of God being Jehovah Jireh? Oh man, so many, so many different things. Like you're saying, Avery, I feel like, I mean, even today, I'll even mention this. I was it was in between classes and I was like, man, I just really want like, like a soda. <laughs> like I just like, and I, I drink Coke zero. I don't condone it because I know aspartame is bad and I only drink it every once in a while. But I was like, I just really want a Coke zero. And it's funny because I was like, Oh, but I, I like shouldn't be spending money. And I, I like, okay, you guys are going to laugh at this story because you're going to think, wow, like, so this is such a cheesy story, but it's not, it's not like God provided this. So I go on my Chick-fil-A app and I'm like, maybe I have enough points to just get like a free, like Coke zero or whatever. And I go on the app and I like, first thing that pops up is this reward. And he was like, any size Coca-Cola beverage. <laughs> just, you're like, praises. Wow. like, yes. And I took that to be from the Lord. I was like, thank you, God. Like what a sweet little gift from the Lord. But I mean, in a, like throughout my entire college career, even like reflecting on the providence of God. I mean, to tell you like my story of college is to just proclaim his providence and proclaim his faithfulness in my life. Because I mean, I, if you had listened to our roundtable episode of college, you know that I've been to three different colleges and that was not my first choice. I thought I was going to be at the same college for four years and then graduate and get a year. And, uh, I had my whole 10 year plan, you know, and, uh, and that wasn't the case. I mean, he definitely revealed to me when I was at my first college that I had a passion because he had given me a passion to study the word. And he revealed to me that I could not study his word as much as I would like to, if I was to stay at that college. And I knew that there was another college word of like Bible Institute that I could transfer to. But I was hesitant, and I remember being hesitant because, well, one, I had community at my first college, and two, Word of Life Bible Institute was in upstate New York, and I didn't want to fly on an airplane alone uh, because I was just like a fear that I had. I, I, I am so bad with directions and like knowing where to go and what airport to like what where where to go in the airport, and so. Um, I just remember having these fears, and it was just the Lord pressing on my heart, like you cannot grow here. And I know you love the people here and um, you love the school, but like 
I just felt like he was calling me to go and study the word for a year because it was a one year program. And I didn't know this was the big thing for me. I didn't know where I was going to go after that um, because it was a one year program and I was just going to be studying the Bible. I wasn't going to do any major or minors. And um, so I ended up doing that and obeying the Lord because I truly felt like that was what he was calling me to do. But I also knew that within that one year, after that year was over, it was gonna, I would have to go to a different college and I didn't know what college I was going to go to. Um, I remember before I even got to word of life, I was Googling online at the different private schools that I could transfer to after, because I knew that if I wanted all my credits from word of life or most of them, at least to transfer to a college after that, it would have to be a private college. And if you guys know anything about private college is that it is super expensive, a lot more expensive than the secular school. But I also knew that I wanted to study psychology and I wanted to study it through a biblical worldview. And I didn't want to go to a community college, even though community college was honestly my closest bet to whatever I would be doing because I didn't want to accrue debt because I wanted to go into ministry after. And uh, there was just all these different things. And the story that I'm actually even telling you guys is like a one hour story. So if you see me in person and you have time, ask me about my college experience (laughs) and we'll have a great conversation and we'll praise the Lord together. But, um, so anyway, I finished the one year at word of life and best year of my life. Like no doubt that that was what the Lord wanted me to do. Um, but anyway, it was, it was coming to the close and I was kind of wondering what the Lord was going to call me to next. And I remember my mom talking to me and she was like, Alexa, do you even know like where the Lord's going to call you? And I was like, no, but I just feel like, like, I know the Lord's going to provide. He's led me this far, you know, like he's made it clear that this is where I was supposed to be. And I have no doubt that he's going to continue to lead me. And I remember we had a college fair that following week, like exactly a week later. And I met somebody who was from a private school in Georgia. And I talked to them and I was like, oh, I'm from Georgia. And they were like, really? And I was like, yeah. And they, and I mean, long story short, like long, long story short, they ended up hooking me up with scholarships and having me apply to their school. And at the end of the day, including all of these scholarships that I got, I didn't pay a single penny. And I was able to go two years to that school, graduate, and now I'm getting my master's there. And the Lord totally, like totally provided, like And it was a private school. I got to study psychology through a biblical worldview. And with the Hope Scholarship, with all these different scholarships added up, I didn't pay a single penny. And it was all the Lord, all the Lord. Like I, and then I got checks in the mail that just kept coming that would pay off what I had paid to go to that Bible college. And it was like, I couldn't explain it, but it was like the Lord was like almost saying, Alexa, this is what I want you to do. And I'm taking care of all of it. You know, and it's funny because after all of those scholarships came through and I realized that I would be paid, fully funded to go to the school, I remember thinking, okay, I need a car. And because I was in New York this whole time and I didn't have a car back in Georgia. And I remember almost being hesitant to pray and ask the Lord for a car. But I was like, I need a car if I'm going to be going to school in Georgia. And I just remember texting my parents and then. Um, not texting them and then just praying like after that and being like, Lord, I know that you love to provide God. You are, it is not against your nature. It is not something that is restraining you. Like you have all the ability possible to get, give me a car. I don't have it. I don't have money for a car, but I need a car and I'm just, 
I mean, the prayer was probably a lot more different than this paraphrase. But anyway, I say amen. And not even five seconds later, my parents text me and they're like, by the way, you have a car. <laughs> Sorry. And it was free, what? right? <laughs> yes, free. Somebody at the church donated a car and my, like, to A nice us. car, too. And Oh my gosh, it's my favorite car. I will like a Honda CRV. I love that car. I'm driving a new car now because um that one like it blessed me for the years that I was able to drive it, but I love that car and I actually named the car Faith. So whenever somebody would ride with me, I would be like, "All aboard Faith." And they'd ask me, "Why is her name Faith?" And I would tell them about the faithfulness of God. Like God totally provided this car for me. And it was a great gospel segue, but Wow, like those two specific those two specific stories that I had consolidated, y'all, you have no idea how hard it was to tell that story in that length of time. I'm proud of so you. if you ever see me in person, <laughs> yes, ask me about that story in person, but like God is so good. And that those two stories specifically, I mean, of course, there are so many different examples throughout my life where I'm like, God, you are a God who provides, and they're so specific, they're so intentional and they're just such a blessing. But um, yeah, those those come to mind. And I hope that they bless you if you're listening to this, because it was nothing of my own accord. He gets all of the glory for that. Amen. I still remember the day you called me and Annie and told us about that. And we were just like all rejoicing in what God was doing. And yes, so cool. I love that. Annie, do you have anything in mind? Yeah. Um, I mean, like all of us, there's a million things that I can think of, but there's a few that definitely stand out in my mind. Uh, I think the the biggest thing that comes to my mind is when Patrick and I had just gotten married, um, he had to have a surgery that prohibited him from doing physical fitness tests. Well, that is a major part of being a soldier in the army is passing your physical fitness test. He couldn't do it. And during that season, um, cause he just got off surgery, he gained a lot of weight, which then also would later prohibit him from passing these tests. And we got the news that he had to have the surgery and he would d- be delayed in commissioning into the army, which is joining the army. And it was just like a punch to the gut. Like, Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Because we're getting married, you were we're getting married in August. You were supposed to commission in August, and then we would move to our first duty station, and life would be good. But um, that's not how it went. But praise the Lord, He provided a family, a couple with no kids at the time, who graciously offered for us to live with them for free for two months. And it just so happens that the guy that offered up for us to live there is basically a physical fitness trainer. So he was able to really help Patrick get back on the right route. And um, that was just, but the the journey didn't end there. Then it turned into, all right, he's going to do this PT test and he's going to pass. Well, he did. But then shortly after something happened again with the surgery, it came up again and he had to have the surgery again. And it was just like, now this was being delayed. Now he was commissioned, but now joining like the official part of the army was being delayed again. And it happened total, I think three or four times where it was like a major delay in the process. And this is our life. Like we, if he can't join the army, 
like, what are we going to do? I'm still in school and um, this is what we've been planning on. Well, next, another family graciously allows for us to live in their um, little garage apartment that they turned into like an Airbnb. They allowed for us to live there for a while. And um, then um, right after that, it finally came the day where Patrick was able to join and everything was going smoothly. But, and again, that's like a massive paraphrase. There was a lot of fear and um, panic and just turmoil during that season of our life. And whether I did a good job of explaining that or not, um, just trying not to use too much terminology, but it's hard to tell the story without it. (laughs) (laughs) But um, it was just, it it was I learned God not only provided physically like a job, this house that I'm recording in now is as a result of the army and but he provided so much for our like spiritual walks. I saw Patrick grow so much during that season. I grew so much during that season, and it was hard. It involved a lot of um broken expectation or I guess my expectations were not met, but God's plan was and it ended up being for the best and um that it didn't end when we got here like I saw how the Lord gave me what like like we were saying the God who sees foresees the Lord knew that I needed to have that faith and that um foundation that he had built during that time for this season moving here um which is a whole nother thing but I struggled a lot with depression last year and didn't have any sort of mentor the Lord provided a mentor pretty much a couple days after I started thinking I really need a mentor here. And so it's just, it was just one thing that led to another of God providing and foreseeing she's going to need this coming up and me having it because God is so good. I love that, Annie. And so privileged to see you go by guys both walk through those stories and to see the ways that God provided for you encourage me and my faith in seeing the Lord provide for you guys was just huge for um, encouraging me. So thanks for sharing that. Um, I have one more story. And to reiterate everybody, we of course have a million things we could think of, but I wanted to kind of um, take a different spin on God's provision of just talking how he has provide, provided for me emotionally. Um, there's been so many things he's done like financially, physically that he's given to me that I'm so undeserving of and been so blessed with. Um, but especially in this past year, year and a half, I've seen the way that he's provided in a lot of ways emotionally through grief. Um, between my husband and I, we've lost four grandparents in the past year. And um, we have, we've been blessed to live and grow up with great grandparents. Um, I have on my side and um, he's had awesome grandparents that he's been really close to. And so all of their deaths came very suddenly. Um, two of them were this year and then two of them were last year. And, um, it was just amazing to look back now and see the way the Lord orchestrated, even in sorrow. Um, there's of course, never a time that you want to be grieving a family member that you're close to, but with the army, Jack is not often allowed to leave, um, and go be with family in times of emergency. And I know Patrick and Annie, have seen this in their lives too. And with each death, um, besides my grandfather who died in the spring during quarantine, we weren't able to be there. 
um, God has provided in both of our jobs for us to be able to be present for the funerals for those three grandparents. Um, and that has just been such a gift to us because he provided not only um, in Jack's job, but also that all three of their funerals would be on weekends that I didn't have weddings. And I, both years that these things happened, I had work every weekend pretty much, or I was traveling or I had um, pre-existing plans and God knew and predestined that I would need to be there for my family or be there for his family. And just allowing us the ability of time was amazing. And just, even though it was some of the hardest days of our lives in our marriage, it was such a gift to be able to be provided time to be there and to grieve properly. Um, and also I thought of a story that was so special to me because it reminds me of the way that God has provided for me and just comforting me in my grief. And I had had my grandmother died a year and a half ago, um, in March of 2019. And, um, she had given me some like pins, these like antique pins, and I'd put them on my purse and I'd carried them with me like for the past few years. And when she passed away, I had lost one of the pins. And I think a few weeks after she had died in church and I was like, I cannot find it anywhere. I like went back in. I told my sister to come back into church and look for it with me. Couldn't find it anywhere. And I was so sad. I was like, you know, what? it's fine. I have another pen. Like, it'll be fine. But it was such like a special thing to me because I was reminded of her like every time I grabbed my purse. And I was just sad. And I, I was decided I was like, God, okay, I know you care about things that are silly like pens. And I was like, I know you can provide for me in that. And you can encourage me by helping me find that pen. So I'm just going to trust you with it. And so I'd kind of forgotten about it. And I think it was like a few months later, I'd come back down to Georgia to be there for work. And I was walking in the woods with my mom and my parents have these trails on their property. And we literally walk them like multiple times a day with our dogs. And so we know every inch of those woods pretty much. And right by the footbridge, the first footbridge we crossed, my parents' woods, that pen was sitting there, like right by the bridge. And it didn't have any mud on it, any scratch, nothing was on it, no mark on it at all. And that literally is like a spot where our feet go all the time. Like if anything's sitting there, it's getting like pushed down into the soil or like rain is rain is washing it into the creek, which was like, it was literally like inches from falling into the creek where it would have washed on the creek. And I don't know how it got there. There could be a logical reason why it fell in the woods. But I've literally never brought my purse in the woods, so I don't know why it would be out there. But it was like me and my mom broke down crying because we just felt so confident, like the Lord saw us. And we knew that like he was our Elroy and he saw us in our grief and he knew that we were struggling and we knew that he was comforting us and knowing that there's joy even in sorrow and there's joy even in um, valleys of death and the shadows of death that touch us in our in this life. And so I'll never forget that. And I'm never putting it back on my purse because it falls off literally all the time. So it's sitting in my bedroom as a reminder of God's goodness to me. But um, yeah, I just wanted to share that and just remind you guys, if you're going through season where you might not feel provided for financially or physically, God can still provide for us. It just might not be in the way that you see fit in the way that you would choose for yourself. That's awesome, Avery. I think 
as you were talking, a verse that just came to my mind was Psalm 77 verses 11 through 13. And it kind of sums up like this whole podcast and maybe we can make a lock screen out of this. I mean, Avery, you're the one who makes our lock screen, so maybe you can, (laughs) but, um, it says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all of your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O oh God, is holy. What God is great like our God. You know, like Love that. what a beautiful, what beautiful verses to sum up all of this. Like he has wonderful deeds and mighty works that he has done in our lives. And our God is holy. He is separate from all the other gods that people chase after. He is not like a God that people make with their hands. He is a God that is holy and gives us provision, cares about our grief. Like, wow. Like Avery, that's that story where you're like, he is our El Roy. He sees us like he sees us so intimately and he provides for us so intentionally. And just thinking about the nature of this God that we serve, we are so undeserving. Like what God is great. Like our God, like, amen to that. Amen. I love that, Alexa. Thanks for sharing that. I will definitely make it a lock screen so we can all put it on the forefront of our minds, on the front of our phones. Um, But thank you so much for y'all's encouraging stories and for just sweet reminders. This is so, like, awesome for me to just recount the the deeds of the Lord, like you said. And I hope that whoever's listening is encouraged and built up. And we encourage you to look back in your life and think of ways God has provided for you, whether it's, it's large or small. Um, we know he has, and he's gone before us in all things, and we can trust in that. Um, but we thank you for listening today. We hope you'll join us next time we um, publish a podcast. We hope you'll listen and share if you feel led, and we thank you for just listening. We're really, really thankful and honored you to even take the time. And we hope you have a great day, night, morning, wherever you are, and we'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.